0: to Blueprint CFO Presents, our Every Other Friday podcast featuring future-focused entrepreneurs. Our guest today is a very special one, Jeff Clark, CEO and President of J-Squared General Contractors. How are you doing there, Jeff?
1: Good afternoon, Mr. Downs. Good afternoon, everybody.
0: I'm excited to have Jeff on the show because J-Squared uh, General Contractors uh, was one of our was our first client when I started Blueprint CFO in October of 2019. And it's, I've worked with, I've known Jeff for a long time, so it's very exciting to have him be participating in the program here. Well, It's great uh, to see what you've done, too. Yeah. So just before we start, a little thing about Blueprint CFO. We're a, f- a fractional CFO and outsourced accounting firm. We work with our clients to create a profitability roadmap for the future, and we help them stay on course by meeting with them weekly and monthly to review the progress we're making on the plan and see, see what we need to do to achieve their financial goals. So Jeff question number one, tell us a little bit about J square. Uh,
1: Well, um, we are a, commercial ground up and tenant improvement, general contractor uh, based out of Orange, California. We service, well, we'll basically service anywhere in California if the client uh, is good enough. We do everything from small tenant, office tenant improvement to large ground up properties. Uh, We also do a lot of um, government contracted work. We have work, the ports of LA. Uh, we're looking at a job at the port of Stockton. Uh, we do quite a bit of work for the big horizontal contractors when they do, um, like if they've got a project that let's just say hypothetically, they got to take a road and put it in point a, and then it's gotta go to point B. If there's any buildings in the way, uh, they hire us to do it. So we've been doing a lot of that over the last couple of years. Uh, that landed us at the L.A. airport for about a year and a half. Um, one, of the,
0: one of the exciting projects you did at the airport was the USO Center, which which was pretty cool. And I got to go there and see the opening ceremony and all that. And, and it was pretty awesome yeah. to do that for the veterans. Yeah, the, you, know the what, military.
1: you know what, Jim, you're right. That was, I would have to say that that was probably J-squared's most significant project to date. It's one that I'm very, very proud of. Um, It was, we took the existing uh, Bob Hope USO facility. They were located in two construction trailers and at that iconic theme building. And if folks don't know what what that is, that's the, that's the funky looking building. That looks like a satellite. When you first walk in, when you first drive into LAX, we moved the Bob Hope USO into the ground floor of that. It's a 7,500 square foot TI. Um, and it has everything from a full-blown kitchen to um, a game room. It has a movie theater in it, and it's a it's a, a midpoint for our troops. You know, if they're being shipped out, they will typically stay there before they go. When they come back, they stay there. Their families can stay there. It um, was a job that we teamed up with Griffith Companies on and um yeah it was it still is to this day a very important special project for us the faces on those um on those young men and women the soldiers that came off that bus that first day um can't put a price on that it was it was a special time yeah sure. yeah
0: yep. so you know if somebody's out there looking to do some building of something you know why would they pick j squared what makes you what makes the company special
1: <laughs> uh, well i have to say jim my people um you know we we're a small shop but we do a lot of big high profile work and all of my people here um you know they all come from bigger companies, and here they play a significant role at J-squared. So I don't run this place with an iron fist. It is um, a collaborative uh, group of people for sure. Uh, We're builders first and foremost, so we do our best to build projects and meet clients' expectations. I feel like we've done a pretty good job of it. Over the years, most of our work is negotiated from return clients, um, and I just, you know, my my field superintendents and my project managers do a do an excellent job. many of
0: them have worked with you for years and years, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of the most of our field came from a company that I used to work for before I came here. Um, so and that, that I don't thing, think,
0: that, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um. Other than, you know, during the COVID situation when we had to get slow, I can't recall off the top of my head, Jim, anybody that's actually quit working for J-squared.
0: Yep. And uh, I've been along with you for a lot of times and I don't remember anybody either. So yeah, pretty awesome. So,
1: you know, I think people come here and they find a home here, um, which is what I've always wanted.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a family. It is.
1: You know, I, when I, when I started this, you know, as you, as you know, Jim, I was a field superintendent for a lot of years and I worked for big companies and small companies. And the one common thing that I noticed, no matter where I went, was this massive disconnect between the field and their office. And they all started when you first worked there that, oh yeah, we all get along and this and this and that. And then you learn very quickly that it's almost like the field superintendents are second-class citizens to everybody else you know they've got to use the back door and they've got their own special quarters and i never understood that concept you know um if it weren't for guys that get up at three or four in the morning and you want to drive for two hours and then drive home the people in the office really wouldn't have anything to do so without field construction companies don't work and so we we put a lot into our superintendents. I mean, they're 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 the main um, the main focus of how J squared operates um, in the office. We, you know, we're always staying up on um, the latest and greatest and safety measures. You know, we just made a pretty large investment in the new hard hats that are out now. Um, that have tracking systems in them. So um, we give our people just about everything they could possibly have along with training to succeed.
0: That's great. So you mentioned you work for bigger companies and uh, I I can't remember the story, but what what made you quit and and start your own company? Because that's kind of risky. Well,
1: (coughs) there was a couple different reasons. Uh, The one was the one that I just explained, which was the the disconnect between the field and the office. And I just always kind of felt that it didn't have to be that way. You know, a lot of things that would go on that I'd watch happen. It just seemed to me that they didn't have to be that way. You could just treat people like people and they would do what you needed them to do. Yeah. And, the, and then the other part of it was, I, I distinctively remember sitting on a project. It was a Sunday. And I was in the construction trailer with four other senior level superintendents. And the one gentleman looked over at the general superintendent that was on the job and said that he wasn't going to work next Saturday because his grandson had a baseball game. And in that same sentence, he said, I missed my son's baseball games because I was always on a job site and I'm not going to miss my grandson's. And right then and there, the bell went off in my head that as much as I love being a superintendent, this is not the life I want. And I don't want that for my people. So we don't we do some big work, but we don't do work that I know will run my people into the ground. There's not enough money out there to make it worth it to have my supers working seven days a week. It's just, it will not happen at J-squared. We won't take that kind of work.
0: That, that's a powerful story, obviously.
1: I, to me, Jim, it seems like a simple concept. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know a lot of people, and I, I think even in the beginning, when you first came along, you were pretty shocked at the amount of money that I would spend on things like our company trucks and the gear for the guys and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And
0: the logos on the trucks and it had to be a certain way. And you know, was <laughs> yeah. everything was first class.
1: Yeah and um you know i did that for a number of different reasons but the main one was i wanted our men and our guys to be proud of where they work and i wanted them understanding that um you know you're not just a number over here you're you're a valued valued person and your input matters so you know if if you feel like we should do this then let's talk about it and if you feel like we should do that then let's talk about it and if things aren't working then let's talk about it. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to when you're asking guys to do what superintendents do. You know, they get up at you know three o'clock, three thirty in the morning. They're out of the door at four. A lot of them are driving to Los Angeles, maybe San Diego, Riverside, depending on you know where they live. Although we we try to keep our guys within where they live, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And then those guys also sit in traffic on the way home and being a superintendent is a very thankless job. And, and it, nobody ever seems to understand that it's really the superintendent that ran that work because superintendents don't get invited to owner's meetings. You know, they don't typically get invited to the hoop law ceremonies that go on afterwards, you know, That's usually, you know, they're they're usually off onto another job at that point. Yeah, right. And so, you know, you learn pretty quickly as a super that you're only as good as your last job. And that's not how I feel at all. So, you know, my superintendents are the most important staff we have. And and all of my staff knows that. You know. I, I tell the girls up front jim all the time that if a superintendent calls the office and they need something okay typically it's because they are in a hurry and they need it fairly quickly so i do not want you putting that person on hold and then dialing the extension of whoever it is they were looking for letting that extension beep a few times because that person's not in his office pick up the phone and say, well, he's not in his office. No. If the superintendent calls, you put him on hold, you get up, you walk over to that person's office and say, Ray seniors on line one for you. That's what I want you guys to do. And that's what they do. Yeah. Because, you know, again, normally when guys are calling into the shop because they need some sort of paperwork or something, it's because they need it right now. Whether it's inspection related, whether it's permit pulling related, it's it's normally something that they need right now, and it's very very frustrating as a guy out in the field trying to get things done when you get blown off when you call the office.
0: It, it probably helps that you were you were in that position in your you know past life and it does recognize what's important you know how, how to run their business properly so that the super can do the do the work efficiently. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, guys that have been project managers their whole life would probably argue with me that they're the most important person in a construction company. You know, to me, again, you know, Jim, I can go sell millions of dollars of work every year. But if I don't have somebody who wants to get up in the morning and go drive to that job and do it.
0: Yeah. Where am I then? Right.
1: So our focus at J Squared has always been from day one our field staff is the most important aspect of this company. You know, that's why we brought in Dan Pinto years ago to do that. You know, the full-blown safety training. We're now ISO 9000 certified. Um, Our guys wear, you know, the best hard hats. They wear the best visors, the best jerseys, the best boots. You know, they, you know, we change out our tools every year. Um, just you know, they, they need to go home safely.
0: That's awesome. So going back in time when you were growing up, and you know, let's say you are in high school, were you, were you thinking, "I'm gonna, I want to get in the construction industry," or was it, how did it yeah. ever happen that you even got into the construction industry?
1: No, so <laughs> I actually I owned my first business when I was in high school. So I started detailing boats. Um, a gentleman named jim wilkes at wilkes marine in santa Ana, um my dad and i went to the river since i was in diapers and one of the things that my dad would always tell me is that we're not going down the road dirty so he would take me to the river and pay for everything but my job was to make sure that the motorhome and the boat was clean so the motorhome and the boat. We were over at Wilkes one time, and some one of his other customers had said, "You know, every time that thing's in here, it's clean. Who cleans it?" And Jim said, "Well, oh, I think the I think Howard's kid does it." So that started a phone call to me when I was a sophomore in high school, and before I knew it, in the summertime, I would go surfing, and then on the way back, I would stop at Wilkes and I would detail boats. So by the time I got out of high school you know, the boat started with, well, now can you come over to my house and do the wife's suburban? Right. So I started my first business out of high school. I was doing auto detailing and one of my biggest clients or my biggest client, retail client anyway, was a company called Ayers Corporation, who was at the time the leading ATM installer in the nation. And this is when ATMs were first becoming a thing, you know, Um, long story short Ayers ended up buying J or ended up buying, um, my company, utilizing my trucks and my guys to run an exterior maintenance program for the banks. And here I am today.
0: Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Mm -hmm. But no, I had no, I had, you know, I think the only thing Jim I had ever done was, you know, redid the back fence a couple times with my old man and, you know, just your standard stuff right around the house that you do as a kid with your yeah. dad. But, you know, no one in my no one in my family is in construction.
0: But yeah, I, loved I it. know your dad. I know he's not in construction.
1: No, no, but I loved it. I, there was there's something about, you know, there's there's something about the camaraderie and the, um, the goal of making that schedule on time, you know, um, yeah. there's just, it's a feeling that's just hard to explain. You know, I, I, I never really did it for, obviously I, I cared about who I worked for, for sure. You know, and I think my name stayed pretty good. Obviously I don't know that we'd be here without it, but I always did it because if my name was associated with it, I wanted to make sure that no matter what happened, people walked away and knew that Jeff Clark worked hard. And so, you know, I would do things like spend the night on the job site and, you know, basically whatever it took to get it done. Some of it wasn't probably the smartest thing for me to be doing health wise. um, But it was just failing Jim and not making a construction schedule date was just not something that I could get my head wrapped around. And we right. have that same attitude here.
0: Well, I know the company's motto is nothing's impossible. So, Uh uh-huh. yep. And it's right there on the front door when you walk in the door. So, and that's kind of where that
1: came from. You know, you came aboard right when we were doing that L3 project, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you remember that thing. That was, I, I remember you know, doing the walk
0: to the floor and being shocked at how clean it was.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, that was, what was that? That was 180,000 square feet of TI that we did in six and a half weeks. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, I tell people that story. It wasn't a
0: typical of TI. TI. But it was labs, chemical labs and all kinds of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had, in fact, it started out, we had to detail or de- or demo out what was there. And they had, I don't know if you remember me telling you, they had the the crane that was in there that built um, the, uh, the scud missiles. So we had to take that crane out of there. And, uh, there's a whole bunch of top secret stuff in there that, you know, we had to get clearance of to go take out. And, um, Ray senior ran that one, uh, junior helped out and then they ran, we ran two crews seven days a week.
0: Cool. Cool. So, you know, every company has their ups and downs. You know, uh, J Squared's been one of the fastest growing contractors in uh, companies in Orange County. And, uh, you know, over the life of the company, what has there been some things that, you know, have been tricky or challenging times to get through?
1: Well, I would say the biggest one, my friend, you helped me with, which was, you know, when when we first started to talk, Jim, we were, We were growing pretty fast and I couldn't secure any money. Um, And I've I've told people this a lot that, you know, one of the smartest moves I think I've ever made was bringing you aboard because I remember telling you that, you know, I'm not, I didn't graduate from college with a business degree. I'm, I'm a field guy. I can build, but the other part of it is just not who I am. And so we needed financing and we needed somebody that could get our books to the point where I could take it to a bank. And I mean, I think within the first, I think I, I remember challenge you telling you, I think I said something to you about, if you can get me a line of credit, Jim, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth or something like that. And you came back like two months later and said, okay, I got four banks, <laughs> take your pick, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's it's not easy in the construction industry to get a loan, I can tell no. You
1: well, I was I was striking out everywhere I went. I think, you know, I attribute and I and I mean this and I'm not this isn't a pitch because I'm on your podcast. I've said this to numerous people that, you know, your relationships, um, especially with Chase in the beginning, was really the only reason we got it. You know, I don't think we would have gotten it. In fact, I know we wouldn't have gotten it without you kind of being the guy in the background where the bank's saying, okay, well, if Jim's doing your books, then this is going to look a whole lot better. I mean, I know Zobby at one point in time with Chase said basically that, you know, I know Jim, so I can trust what's going on here.
0: You know, they know they're going to get the straight story from from us. So that
1: was, that was a challenge. And then, you know, as you know, Jim, we went from, 10 million to 50 million overnight. Um, you know, the year that we had the incident, we were at 105 million and booked work. Um, and then of course we had that 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 terrible accident and, and then COVID hit. So we've been, you know, one point in time, I think Jim, we had 104 employees, um, I don't want to ever get back to that again. The growth of that was it was impossible to manage. It was too hard to make sure that everything was getting done quality-wise. Um so I'm, I'm happy with where we're at, you know, right now. Um but this it's been a tough couple of years.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I did the first podcast in the series about me and, you know, I've had my ups and downs of trying to do what I'm doing today, which, you know, is kind of working and hopefully will continue to work. But, you know, my thing was about being persistent and patient, because sometimes what you try to do doesn't really work as well as you think it mm-hmm. would. And, and you know, but if you if you know you got a good idea or, or you think a company that you're building is going to be unique and successful, then you need to just stick with it. You know, and I think that's a good story for J squared because, you know, yeah, you had a little downtime there, but end of the day, you still have the the same people and the same processes and the same mindset, you know, going in and and getting stuff done. And that's super important.
1: It, It is. And I mean, you know, I, I think my, you know, we're, we're almost back to the original staff that I had when you first came aboard actually, and Those people have never left and they never even, you know, Jim, during all of it, they never even mentioned that they were going to leave. It was almost like if J squared were to to close the doors, we're going to stand here and turn the key and then we're all going to go do something else. I mean, that, that was never on the table, of course, but it was the, the dedication and the, 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 the way that my staff rallied around me during this time. Um, I gotta tell you, Jim, it meant the world to me. You know, I mean, they, these are all talented people. They could go anywhere. Um, And they haven't, you know, and they're right here and they're digging their heels in and they're working hard. And and, uh, some of our junior people uh, like Alex Hernandez as an example, I mean, she's over here just absolutely murdering it. She's doing a great job. It's great. You know, getting herself into a project management role and and, you know, she had a couple babies. But during that process, she was going to project management school. <laughs> so I just, you know, I have I have an incredible group of people here, Jim, as you know, and um, it's not it's not about it's not about me anymore. You know, it's not this this J squared is is everyone else over here. And so when you've got that many people that are all striving and believe in what we're doing, good things are going to happen. It's pretty hard to stop a company like that.
0: No, it's, it's the persistence and patience part. Yep. Mm-hmm. I see it playing out, you know, with you. So uh, you, you just got to stick with it. And I know things are going to, there's a bright future ahead.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that so
0: you know you've owned your own business now for like roughly 20 years is that around when did you start j squared oh no well well just just j squared you had your you had your detailing
1: yeah i had the detailing company for let's see I'm my when i was 16 to 20 21 right around there my early early 20s um And then I've been in the construction business ever since. And then I got myself licensed personally, I think in 97, Jim, I think. And then when I incorporated it, it was in 2007. Okay. But then I made it my primary income in 2014. Okay. Okay. So we're on year number nine. At
0: so, you know, this is the show is a little bit about helping other entrepreneurs think about starting their own business. You know, what what's the good part about owning your own business that you could share?
1: Well, <laughs> wow, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I think that if you, if you love what you're doing, then. You can take that passion and you can can share it with other people and bring in and build a company where your passion for what you do is the same as everybody else, which gives these people a really good life. And I've, I've loved watching my staff grow as humans, you know, people that came here that couldn't afford a house, now they're buying a house. People that came here, now they're married and they're having children, you know? And you get to watch people that you care about grow as people and give them the tools and a roof to be the best person they can be. And that has been great to watch some of the the younger, um, new hires that we had to see where they've grown at today. For me personally, I mean, obviously, you know, your, your wealth is going to get better if, if the business is successful. So that allows you as a person to maybe live a life that you normally wouldn't be used to. Um, but I mean, for me, Janet, it really has been, I'm just very proud of, of what I've built. I'm very proud of the people that are here. I, I it's, it's hard for me to put into words.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting um, because, you know, I've done, this, this is our fifth episode or so, and how many times it comes up, you know, the best part of owning my own business is helping other people achieve their goals, you know? Uh-huh. And I, that's the same way Blueprint is the way I see it, is, you know, that trying, it's not about me, it's about my people and making sure that I provide them a, a career path where they can, you know, achieve their financial goals, buy a house, you know, have a family whatever right. whatever they want you know that's up to them but well, it's i think really interesting that it keeps coming up when i ask that question to entrepreneurs that, that that's the first thing that comes to mind you know
1: well i think because i, I think jim depending especially depending on you know if you're in the service business as an example you know and You've always, you've always, you've obviously worked somewhere or a number of different places where you've seen things that just you didn't agree with, or you didn't like, or you saw. Um, maybe you were treated poorly, or you know your your other folks in your office were treated poorly or disrespected. And I think it seems like a lot of people break off and start their own company because they get tired of being treated poorly, so they figure. I'm going to go do it better. Right. And in order for me to do it better, I've got to bring people in and I'm not going to treat them like that last person. I'm going to treat them the way they should be treated. Now I've learned over the years that there's a fine line with that, Jim, you know, you can definitely give too much, which I've been known to do and you can get taken advantage of through this, but, through it all you eventually find the people that have the same goals as you um and if you just give them the rope to go do what they need to do hopefully they won't hang themselves with it right and so far knock on wood nobody over here has hung themselves on it
0: yet <laughs> right <laughs> So that's the good part of owning your own business. What's the what's the worst part of owning your own business?
1: Everything else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about worrying no. about making payroll and collecting uh, yeah. receivable?
1: So the worst part about owning this this business is actually caring about your employees. I think if you if you didn't care about your employees, owning a business would be no big deal. You know? Um but when you the, the the when you wake up one night, Jim, and you realize that you know you have let's call it 50 employees, okay? And you've got 50 families, kids, wives, grandparents, you know, who knows? But you've got 50 families depending on you every day. To put your feet on the floor go into the office do whatever you need to do to make things happen you know um if you do truly care about your people and things go bad you're going to end up getting rid of things um of your own possessions to make payroll or do whatever it is that you need to do so the stress of that can be very hard on a lot of people Um, so there's a definitely there's a balance and all that uh i wish i could tell you that i have found it i haven't you know um i lean a lot on you know my people for that um i don't i don't hide the way j squared's you know if we're up or we're down I, i don't hide that um I feel like, you know, the more my employees are are aware of what's happening over here, the the more they're going to understand why decisions are being made. So that helps with a little bit. Um, but it's it's not easy being a business owner. And, and you you find out pretty quickly, especially in the state of California, thank you, Gavin Newsom, that you don't have anybody to protect you. We're kind of all on this on our own there's not a whole lot of laws out there that are protecting us the business owner and you learn that pretty quick
0: it's not a business owner friendly state
1: no it's not no it's not and so you just got to be you got to be honest with yourself on what you're willing to how much are you willing to sacrifice for your people yeah because that's really what it is, Jim, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're the head of a family. It's no different than, you know, than a, than a husband that's taking care of, um, you know, his, his wife and his kids. You know, it, it's especially back in the 50s, you know, when, when moms were still at home and things like that. A little different now, but, but it really is no different. You know, whether you've got five employees or you've got 150 employees. Every one of those families is dependent on that paycheck and you are the reason for that paycheck.
0: Right. So we, you know, a couple of years ago, we went through an unusual situation called COVID. How did, how did that affect the construction industry?
1: Well, we were lucky in, in the fact, Jim, that COVID was uh, the construction business was deemed a necessary business um so we had to keep going however it wasn't cheap i mean we spent a tremendous amount of money um keeping up with the ever-changing laws that were coming out regarding masks and hand wash stations and isolation rooms so every project that we were on we had to go through and i think you know on average we, well, we ended up spending about $150,000 um, on PPE and masks and hand wash stations and all these things, plus training for the guys, um, temperature readers, all that kind of stuff. It did. It didn't slow down the work that we were on and doing, but it did slow down like everything. I mean, the whole economy shut down. Yeah. Right. So work that was in the pipeline or work that was going to happen, a lot of it did not. It was all shelved. Um, And if you had if you had ongoing work, you were okay. Getting new work was very difficult. You know, because there was so much uncertainty. Yeah. And right about that time as well you know, we almost got a double whammy where, you know, material has gone through the roof. And so we came out of the COVID thing into an environment where, you know, a two by four was costing you $28 a stick. And so anything that you had priced prior to that, when you come back to the table to sit down on it again, if it was $10 million, six months ago, the job was literally 16 million dollars now. And so and owner, that's
0: been, owners weren't real receptive to that idea, I don't think, right?
1: No, they were not. Um they weren't. And you know, so you ended up having to either go back and grind down subcontractors or, you know, figure out some sort of sliding scale on change orders. Because I mean, literally, Jim, we would bid a job. And the framer, as an example, would tell me that the wood number is $248,000 today. And by eight o'clock the following morning, it was $350,000. It's
0: crazy. Yeah. So I, I remember from, those times. Yeah, we kind of yeah. talked about that, but.
1: And, and, and look, the material, the material cost, although it's starting to level out, Jim, it's still more expensive than it was. Hmm. I mean, construction to build anything right now is 30% higher than it was pre-COVID. Well. But I don't think it's COVID that did it. But we're not we're not here to have that
0: conversation. So. No, no, we won't get into that. One. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another, another one we'll do.
1: <laughs> one that I would love to be part of, by the way.
0: <laughs> we'll do it. So, um, you know, one thing entrepreneurs tend to do is work a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. How would you rate yourself on that? Do you have a life outside of business or, or you know, do you spend all your time at J-square?
1: Uh, I would say I spend all my time at J squared when I first started. Um, I literally was for about the first three and a half, four years, Jim, I was in this office seven days a week from probably five in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I mean, I would get calls from Cindy Brown telling me to go home. (laughs) So, you know. You, you got to sacrifice a lot, and then, you know, as an example, the office is shut down today for Easter, but I'm here. Yeah, you know, there, there's always something for an owner to do. Now, as we've gotten bigger, and I've put in people in place, um, you know, things things get done that that I don't need to do anymore. But at the end of the day, the only person that's really going to look after this place is me. Um, so. You know, that that is one of the the things as an entrepreneur, you've got to understand that you know your days of working eight hours a day are gone. Being a business owner is a 24-7 deal. Yep. And and you you have to be aware and you have to engage in what's going on every day, the good and the bad. Because people are looking for leadership. When you take on that role, you take on a lot.
0: Yeah. So that's that's a good tip for entrepreneurs that are out there thinking about quitting their job and starting their own business because it it all sounds great but it's it's a lot of pressure and a lot of time commitment.
1: Well, I can tell you Jim in my case, um it was probably a pretty good factor on why I'm divorced. You know. Um I don't think myself or my ex-wife knew exactly what we were getting into. You know, um We ran side work on the side for years and thought that it was basically gonna be, you know, kind of the same thing, right? Well, you find out pretty quickly that it's not. And the more you grow, the more employees you have, the more mouths you have to feed, the more stress. Um, And until you can get to the point where, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I took a paycheck for the first two and a half years I worked here. Um, I think I paid myself like forty seven thousand dollars or something, you know, just enough to make the, the minimum that the corporate world lets you do without yeah. things being suspicious. And, you know, you, you have to learn if you want to succeed, you have to be the person that can do without. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're not going to be able to get a brand new bmw like the neighbors are getting and you might not be able to go take that trip to europe that all your friends are doing and you know you've got to realize that if you want to be successful you've got to learn to do without for a while but once you get there you you won't you won't just go to europe you'll fly first class
0: yeah. right It's good. Right?
1: You know and you won't you'll go buy the biggest bmw not the 525 so a lot of i think a lot of folks they've got to realize i mean and there are exceptions obviously jim as we know people start businesses and they sell some product or something and you know they they make millions right away but if you're in the service business like you and i it takes time you know you've got to generate clients and you've got to sacrifice and if you're not willing to give up the the expensive dinners or the this or the that and your your significant other isn't aware of the amount of time it's going to take that you're going to have to be away you know you you're going to miss birthdays you're going to miss barbecues you're going to it just until you can get to the point where you've got some folks to help you it's all on you
0: yeah you know so one of the questions at the end I always ask is, you know, we've been working together for a while prior to me even starting Blueprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you already kind of touched on Blueprint and how it helped you grow and like getting into financing. Um, and, and I know there's, you know, even, even beyond that, there's our weekly meetings when I used to work with you. And I still, I know our new CFO, John Camus, is doing that where he meets with you quite often. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you can share about how Blueprint has been supportive of you and helping you achieve your goals?
1: Oh, Jim, on so many levels. You know, um, I, I don't know that, that I actually have the words to um, explain the amount of support that you guys give. And not not just from, you know, the whole bookkeeping aspect of it, right? But your belief in J-squared. You know, I always felt like you were very honored to say that you were the CEO of J Squared, you know, and you would the way that you would introduce us to to your other clients and things like that. um, And John does the same thing. You know, it's like it's you guys, even though you're not under this roof every day. You can tell that it matters whether we succeed or not, you know, and having that kind of support and also, you know, having somebody look after us too, you know, I mean, I, I still, I'm still doing what I promised you a long time ago. (laughs) I still don't go out and make massive purchases unless it comes across to you first. I still have that
0: signed declaration. I know. I know, and I still. I, yeah, live by I it. Jeffrey Clark will not do this or that. I can't remember what it said exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and 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 you know, as silly as that sounds, Jim, it it was necessary, and it was needed. You know, there there's especially in a business that starts to become successful, and you have money, and so if you don't have somebody that can kind of hold you back a little bit and sit down and explain why you can't do this right now, but we'll put this in place so you can money would just fly out the door. I mean, that's human nature. Yeah. Now there are, there are people out there, Jim, obviously that, you know, maybe they don't have the expensive hobby that I have. Right. So it may be a little bit different, but I think human nature in general is you spend what you have. And so, you know, when you came aboard and I was starting to have some success, you were very good at reining me back and saying, okay, Jeff, look, you can't do this anymore, bud. And this is why. And then you would show it to me. Boom, boom, boom. When we get to this month, we're going to be in trouble. So how about we roll this back? I'll put this thing in place. And then you'll do it then. And it's a really good for a guy like me, a blue collar hammer swinging type of guy the, the value that you have brought in to J squared is, is way more dude, than just the bookkeeping. It's almost like, it's kind of like you got somebody. I, I, I always know I got someone on my shoulder. That's kind of looking out for what really matters, right? Which is how does J squared going to keep the doors open for the next three years? And without that, and without that, that nudge in the right direction or the poke in the back, like, don't be an idiot. Don't go spend all this. I, I think things will be a lot different around here. I really do. And I thank you for that. You know that.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that because that's what we're supposed to be doing with our clients is, you know, we start with accounting. So we're an accounting company, but really there's a hidden thing going on there, which is how we, how are we going to make sure this company's stable and successful for, you know, for the long term you- that's, really our goal
1: yeah jim i don't think that i would my if if someone were to ask me what what is blueprint cfo my first answer would not be they're an accounting firm i would actually say that they're more of a business management firm they're an executive business management firm you know they they bring a they bring an educated white collar approach to blue collar guys like myself I don't. I don't really think of you guys as accountants. I mean, I I certainly don't think. Look at John Camus as an accountant. I mean, John's off trying to get us business. That's that's a huge difference between you guys and a lot of people. I mean, you you yourself have brought in clients for us. We Uh, want to be. That's why. That's why I go back to what I said earlier, Jim. Was that it's always felt like you've been very proud to say, "I'm the CEO of J Squared." And that's a great feeling for a guy like me. And it yeah. makes my staff feel good, too. You know, nobody looks at John or looked at you like you were a hired gun. They all looked at you as you were part of this team and what you said goes. And they respected it.
0: Right. right. I, I still have my J Squared email address, so. <laughs> exactly. I, I may be coming back. <laughs> I think you're
1: still on our, our website, too, actually.
0: I, oh, good. Thank <laughs> <laughs> think. Well, thanks for saying that, Jeff, because, you know, that makes my day, obviously. So because um, that's what we're we're shooting to do for our clients. And
1: you know, well, I, I you've think we've always it's done a good me. model
0: of how we can work with a, an entrepreneur and, and help them. So.
1: Well, you've always done it with me, and I know that I've turned on a few people um, to you. I don't know if you're still with them or not, but I know when you were, they were always very happy. So.
0: Cool. So we're going to wrap this up. Is, is there any last minute tips you might have for, you know, somebody out there that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur?
1: I would say, honestly, do not do this without having a good CEO, because you you can only take it so far. You've you got to have a guy like a Jim Downs or a John Camas, um to get through the financial aspects of it, because that's a whole nother world in itself. And that's something that You don't learn until you're stuck in it and have feel like you don't have an out. So if you start to see some success, get somebody like a a Blueprint CEO. And I I would recommend these guys, obviously. But get somebody like that on your team in the beginning. Um, It's worth it. it. It's worth the money.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to wrap our our episode for today. Uh, our next episode will be on April 28th, where we're going to have Manny, Manny Bandana of Best Framing in Costa Mesa as our guest. And I look forward to that. Manny's a relatively new client, but I think uh, we're doing some cool things for him, too. So, Good Jeff, thank you very coming. much for, for being on the show today. You bet. Anytime. A lot of fun, I mean. as I knew it would be. Yeah. And so long, everybody. Onward and upward. See you later.